0: Turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Peter chapter 2. I do want to encourage you to our Wednesday night services. We have different home groups as well as classes available here. I'm teaching in the sanctuary on the book of Revelation. And uh, I think you would find it not only very interesting but very timely. And so I want to invite you to that as well. Second Peter chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. I'll only read three verses this morning, but we'll be referring to a lot of Bible. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. If you're visiting with us, we're not doing that as a form of tradition or because God commands it. It's just another way we want to show the Lord respect in His house. 2 Peter 2, beginning with verse 1. This is the fifth installment on our series about the last days, the days to come. 2 Peter 2, 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily or secretly shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and they will bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious means ways that lead to ruin or loss. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, And through covetousness, they shall with feigned, which means artificial, molded, fictitious words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Through covetousness, these false teachers will artificially mold fictitious doctrines, and they will make merchandise of you, which means buy and sell. They will buy you at the cost of fables and sell you for greater loss, spiritual ruin. And one of the last day's signs that if nothing else were going on, the false apostles, false prophets, false pastors, false teachers, and I want you to know so you don't think I have esteemed myself, I am going to group me in with every other pastor and teacher. And you use the criterion of the Word of God to discern. But we are to be aware, to be on the lookout, to be cautious, to try every spirit. And we are to discern not only by the Holy Spirit within inside of us, but by the Word of God. And so you cannot talk about the last days without talking about false teachers and false prophets. And I believe and I'm asking God that this morning it would bring a sense of stability to you, security and boldness that you might find it within your heart to be able to say, I just choose not to listen. I'm separating myself from that because that doesn't sound like the Christ that has been represented to me in Scripture. Father, I just present myself before you this morning and I humble myself and I ask if there is any way that you could use me today, that you would use me for the benefit of your people. I am uh, the chiefest of all sinners. I don't esteem myself today, O Lord. But I find my dignity not in who I am, but whose I am. And I bless you for this great honor and privilege that's mine. And I ask that you would anoint me, that I might communicate your word clearly, and it would go right to the soul and the spirit of the people. And may they be edified thereby. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I'm very careful not to give you formulas or things of that nature. But I want to give you six identifying characteristics. This is not an exclusive list. But six characteristics that a false prophet will have according to scripture. So let's just go right to it. Number one. A false prophet always mishandles the word of God. We don't think. uh, Sometimes we do think that a false prophet would be a teacher of Islam. Or a Buddhist. Or uh, Jehovah's Witness. No. That's That's not a false prophet, that's a false religion. A false prophet uses the Bible as their primary book. So we're not talking about false religions or pagan nations or or false worship. We're talking about people who hold the Word of God, quote the Word of God, but wrest the Word of God to their own destruction and to the people that listen to them. Men shall arise, Acts 20 says speaking perverse things, corrupted things, twisted, distorted, reversed things contrary to the Scripture. They cast doubt upon the inerrancy of the Word of God. This is not a sweeping move it, movement. It's a predominant movement in Protestant church in the Western world today. The same thing that the devil said in the Garden of Eden to Eve. The church is now saying through false prophets and teachers to the congregation. Hath God really said I mean, I know that you think God said if you eat of the fruit, you'll die. But did God really say, let's just, let's just cast doubt upon the factual, communicated Word of God to us. Because if you can cast doubt upon, then you then get to pick and choose what you want from the Scripture. And there becomes no set standard. They rest. They twist. They reverse. They mishandle the Word of God. They preach another gospel. Galatians 1 says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. Listen to this. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preacheth any other gospel unto you than that which has been already preached, let him be accursed. And I tell you again, if any man, person, apostle, prophet, bishop, Cardinal, Vicar, Angel from Heaven, Theophany, if anybody communicates something that's contrary to the gospel message of the fall of man and the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, for said sin, let them and their ministry be accursed. And so we are not we're not the ones that say that. God says that. That's the end of them. This other gospel is a salvation. Without the atoning work of Christ, there's the false gospel of accommodation, which is seen in many churches where you yield to the desires of others and the sinfulness of others, and we placate the people so that we can keep a crowd. A gospel of accommodation does not convict at the heart, it accepts. And see, I wasn't accepted. (laughs) That's the point. I was a sinner. And so there has to be an awareness of sin before there can be conviction. And there has to be conviction before there can be repentance. And there has to be repentance before there can be forgiveness or grace. And there has to be grace before there can be forgiveness. But this other gospel is, we're, we're just all trying to make it and just come in and we're trying to change the best we can. No, we don't change. We are exchanged. Our sin for His glory glory. Grace for our sin, life for our death, clothing for our nakedness. We're not trying to evolve. We were changed by the miracle of redemption and God's grace. And He birthed us again into the kingdom. What part did you play in your first birth? About as much as you play in your second. He lets us participate in it, but Scripture is clear. Salvation did not come by the will of man. Salvation is of the Lord. And that's why He gets the credit in our life. There's a false gospel of prosperity, which is preached from many platforms and pulpits throughout, especially the West, where the focused goal and apex of the Christian life is being blessed. And I want to say it unequivocally to you you are confusing byproduct with goal. The goal of the Christian life is to know the Lord. And to be with the Lord and to fellowship His Spirit and to draw closer to Him and be transformed into the image of God's Son and then to be translated from this world to the next. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the goal. Now, the byproduct is He blesses us in so many countless ways. But be careful of that false gospel because you get the order out out of whack. Put it this way. You... If you shoot a rocket from this earth and you're just a few degrees off from where you think you're going, follow it a couple years out and see where you are. If the the goal is wrong, surely the destination's wrong. And this prosperity gospel that God wants everyone rich and God wants everyone healed and God wants everyone blessed. And and listen, I can finish your sentences, but God's given me the opportunity and the responsibility to preach from this pulpit and I'll be responsible I'm going to stand before the Lord naked one day and answer for the things that I'm telling you. And you can't read the full book and say that everyone ended the way they wanted to end. Hebrews 11 said that there were some who were sawn in half, who wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, and the world wasn't worthy of them. And they obtained a good report through faith. Prosperity preachers will tell you that they didn't have faith. Or they'd have been delivered. Jesus said that they obtained a good report through faith. They passed the test. They just didn't get the result they wanted. So if blessing's the goal and I don't reach that blessing, then you've determined that I am not esteemed of God or approved by God. And you better be careful when you judge on the outside of people's lives because there's people locked away for their faith who the world is not even worthy of. I heard one guy on TV said the Apostle Paul, if he'd had faith, he could have just got delivered from every prison. I'm thinking he wrote most of the New Testament, Catfish. What if he had faith? Sometimes angels opened the prison cells for Paul. Other times he was lowered out of a window in a bucket. That didn't seem so glorious. And other times he just stayed there. Be careful of these people that tell you that godliness Uh, gain is godliness and blessing is evidence because there are many wicked people that seemingly lived a blessed life. So are we blessed as Christians? Absolutely. Where does the blessing flow? From Christ. And they say, so as it was with Christ, so it is with us. Yes, and they persecuted him and they abused him and they led him outside of the town and crucified him. They spat upon him. They called him the devil. He did not escape the trials of this life. And while I'm on that prosperity message, may I hit this one time for you? I don't care. I'm not calling names today. You can apply it to anyone. Whoever tells you that when Jesus was a man on this earth that he was rich, they lie. That is a lie. I don't care if they have 15,000 fall on him, 150,000 or five. The Bible said that Jesus had nowhere to even lay his head. And I've heard them distort and say that's because he traveled, he was en route. No, Jesus came on a mission and it wasn't to be exalted, it was to be humbled. And he came and humbled himself in the form of a servant, took upon himself sinful flesh. And because of his approach to not being blessed here, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Where at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses to the glory of God. I have learned to have much. I have learned to have lack. I have learned to be healthy. I have learned how to live sick. And we prayed for healing today. I've learned that in all of that, my circumstance or my position with God is not identified by what you see on the outside, but by what God sees on the inside of my heart. They contradict the Word of God. They add to the Word of God. They take away from the Word of God. They separate the Word of God from context. They're imbalanced in what they teach and they're corrupt in what they emphasize. And they make equal to or elevate tradition over the Word of God. False prophets mishandle the Word. And I have been in your shoes. You have been in my shoes. It's very hard when someone that has preached the Word in your life that has brought great change... To hear them mishandle the word of God later. Because what do you do? You say, well, do I throw everything out? Do I?" So did God not use that? Listen, God can use anybody. His word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. An imbecile can share the word of God. And if God anoints it, it will do the thing it's caused to do. But what do you do when they mishandle the word of God? You step away from them. I'm not saying that God's never used them. I'm not judging their heart. I'm saying that I recognize that if you're off and I digest that, I will. that will develop inside of me. And over and over in the epistles, you see Paul telling the young preachers, from such turn away, from such turn away, from such turn away. And I believe, your pastor believes, we are not at the last day. We're at the last hour before the Lord's return. And my opinion... And I wish you knew how often I prayed that I'm not in that group. Because you can be deceived in your own heart and not even know it. I believe there are more false teachers in the media outlet, so that being television, radio, internet, than there are true. Be careful. Be careful, Christians. If they mishandle the Word of God, you close your book. I'm not saying judge their heart. Turn Away, Because if they'll do it when you recognize it, they'll do it when you don't and you'll be misled. False prophets, false teachers. Number two, a false prophet presents himself different than he really is. He presents himself as a sheep, but is in fact a wolf. So how could a wolf be mistaken for a sheep as far as in ministry? They're mistaken for sheep because of their gentle speech, exercise through tolerance, never correcting, never rebuking, never condemning, never instructing in righteousness. Now, we've all seen, most of us have seen legalism. You've been, visited a legalistic church or been in it. Oh, my goodness. It's like the guy preaching on hell and the vein pops up on his head and shaking his fist at you. And you can't sit within three rows. You'll get spit on. You have to back way up. And they're against everything. And preaching condemnation, you know, preaching on hell like he wants you to go there. You know, and I, I'm, not talking, <laughs> I'm not talking about that legalism, okay? But when the Bible speaks, Paul speaks to Timothy as being a preacher, he tells him, he said, all scripture is profitable for doctrine, a belief system, okay? Reproof, rebuke, correction, instruction in righteousness, exhortation. If my Bible tells me correctly, it says, then a minister is more often preaching something that disturbs you corrects you, realigns, and there is encouragement. There is exhortation. There has to be. But I said this last week, and if if this is our church, God forbid, move me out and put someone in here with the courage and the character to preach truth. There ought to be... I said last week, when's the last time your favorite preacher or the one you listened to disturbed you so much that you cut the thing off and dropped to your knee unaware of him, saying, oh God, forgive me, correct me, that humility that comes. But now we're heaping to ourselves teachers having itching ears, telling us what we want to hear. I want to hear that I'm the next great thing. I want to hear that God's going to bless everything I set my hands to. I want to hear that if I give a dollar, I get ten. And you get this distorted theology that you believe because you're in a crowd of people that believe the same thing. He's misrepresenting himself. The one thing the guy screaming at you had that the false prophet didn't, he's at least telling you the truth. The wages of sin is death. But false prophets, it's not what they say as much as what they don't say. They don't tell you that there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They don't tell you that every man's way is right in his own eyes, but it leads to that death. They don't tell you that the end of sin is destruction. They do not tell you that the people in the church who practice fornication, adultery, homosexuality, covetousness, greed, that their life is filled with this. They will not partake of the kingdom of heaven. So you're saying I'm not saved. I'm saying that if you live that way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Scripture says that. But it's what they don't say. They'll say things like, well, none of us are perfect. Yes. We all sin. Yes. We all sin every day. Oh, no. Sins of commission. No. But they don't ever tack that one on and say, and when we sin, we tear our heart and we repent. If sinning disqualified pastors, I would have had to quit the ministry. A long time ago, repeatedly. But what separates a failure like me and a false prophet is I don't call evil good and good evil. And we repent, we turn from, which means change our mind and distance ourselves from the thing forbidden by God. The false prophet presents himself as free but is in fact bound. He presents himself as spiritual, but is in fact carnal. The Bible speaks of them in Philippians 3, whose God is their belly. They mind earthly things. They present themselves as one of the light, but in fact they are darkness. 2 Corinthians 11. And marvel not, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. That is an amazing thing. It says that these false prophets are Satan's ministers, but they appear to the church as ministers of righteousness, right standing with God. So John, how do you know? It's not by the look. It's not by the speech. It's not by how they carry themselves. And it's not external. They mishandle the word of God. They change it to mean... Things to their benefit. Okay, let me just give you one. How many of you all were raised Pentecostal charismatic besides me? Okay. There was a lot of abuse, but there's a lot of truth there. Well, let me tell you one truth that was abused. They talked about sowing seed. So, whatsoever things a man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. So, if I sow kindness, I receive kindness. If I sow faithfulness, I'll receive faithfulness. And then they said, well, if you sow money into the kingdom, you'll receive. Yes, but where does it say you sow into their garden? See, that's the thing not said, but it's implied because he's on the television and this lady's saying he raised my son from the dead. And you're like, wow, and I didn't have but one eye. Now I got two eyes. Wow. And if you give right now, yes, Lord, God's no respecter of persons. What he did for her, he'll do for me. And we find ourselves giving to them. So I want to tell you again what I've told you for 21 years. You don't owe me or this church anything. And you do not buy God's blessing. If you would like to give to this church and sow into this church, that's between you and the Lord. And we pray that God will use it for His glory, not for primarily our benefit. But we know that benefit comes because our Father is good to us. A false prophet appears like he's preaching righteousness. And they do this by using the Bible, mentioning Jesus, and quoting scriptures. But one of the surefire ways you know it's off is you are the emphasis of the teaching instead of God being the emphasis of the teaching. You are being taught what God can do for you more than you're being taught how you are to present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is reasonable. It's not even a big deal. It's reasonable. So the teaching, although they're quoting scriptures, you'll be the head and not the tail. Yeah, yes, okay. And, you know, your basket will be full and you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. That's the same, that's the same people he killed in the wilderness, right? What? That'll stop the offering from coming in on television. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, they were to be blessed. God wanted these things for them, but he, he stopped them from even coming into Canaan out of the millions of Jews. Do you know how many made it? Two of the original crowd. Caleb and who? You don't hear that part? God won't you blessed? Yeah, but there's a, a way to that blessing, a way of humility, a way of obedience. A way where you do not view yourself entitled. I hear people say, God has to do it for me. And my spirit goes, ooh, Lord, hit them with lightning. Don't hit me, I don't even want to be part of them. And I may be contradicting what you believe. But listen to me, my children do not receive from me because they're entitled. They receive from me because I love them. And the day I see the entitlement spirit, my generosity is going to withdraw from them. And we do not twist God's arm by our knowledge of Scripture to get blessing. We're blessed because He is blessed and it's His good pleasure to take care of us. Be careful when you're the focus, not God. And these ministers appear as angels, messengers of light. So how do you know? Your spirit and God's Word. So what do I do, Pastor John, if you think this guy's a false prophet and my spirit doesn't think so? You go spend time with the Lord and open your book and make your own judgment. I can't, I can't pick for you. And I can be wrong. So you don't trust your soul to nobody. But I'm telling you the ones that I've marked and labeled, I'm not listening to them. Because what if they catch me on a low day when I feel like God hasn't done good by me? How many of y'all feel like the Lord had not took care of you? Like, yeah. Oh. You step up into that mess and you get caught in a whirlpool. That's not in my notes, but that's how they can do it. And remember this. A false prophet may not have always been a false one. There are many that start off loyal, faithful, meek, humble, true, passionate, vibrant, single-minded, single-hearted. And through loss, turmoil, Disappointment, disillusionment, frustration, they just believed one lie, and that lie ruined them. That's why we're to work out our salvation in what? Fear and trembling. And I want you to listen to your pastor. I'm pastoring you right now. I've referred to it sounds sometimes like I'm a broken record. When I, if you think I'm not capable of missing the mark, you're deceived. I humbly offer my understanding of Scripture. You judge it by the book and your spirit. The book is the more sure word of prophecy. And anybody that contradicts that, I don't care if you like me. I don't care if your child was saved under my ministry. If I baptized them, you turn away from those that mishandled the word and you'll find that your group of people that you listen to is going to narrow. And that's hard because you see all these people listening and you go, are all them wrong and I'm wrong? That's not the point. It's that I feel they're mishandling the Word of God, so I turn away. This ain't a big amen sermon, really, is it? It's not, it's not swine. But I'll have done my responsibility by preaching this. Number three, a false prophet is almost always successful. Some of you are going to be very enlightened here. So why is it? That the man down the street, let's say he's old school. He wears a suit. That was a joke because I'm the only one in here with a suit, I think. Someone asked me not too long ago, why are you the only person who wears a suit? Why do you wear a suit? I said, because I look real good in a suit. That's That's why I wear. But why is he down the street and he's got 50? And the church up the street that offers Christianity light has... 1,500? I'd love to answer the question. I'm going to read it out of the Bible to you. Because it could be. And it doesn't mean that every large church is a false prophet. Don't put words in my mouth, but listen. Many of them, the false prophets, are preachers of the broad way. And many go in thereat. It's hard to grow a vibrant large Bible-believing church. Can't wait to get to church and see where I messed up. Oh, where I'm off. And a little dab of encouragement. And sometimes uh, you think it's hard hearing it. How would you like to be at the desk preparing it? And the devil going, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. I'm praying as I'm writing it. Trying to get everything worked out. He's a preacher of the Broadway. He's successful because he's a man of the flesh. Preaching from the flesh, catering to the flesh, to fleshly people. Because they're very popular. What do you mean a false prophet is very popular? Listen, Jesus said in Luke 6, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, because that's what they did to the false prophets before them. Why do false prophets receive so much praise? Because people like them. You're good, I'm good. You want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Are you fine? I'm fine. No, There's no conflict. Listen, I didn't have conflict with the Lord until I got saved. Do you hear me? There was no conflict. I wanted to drink till I fell out. No conflict. And I'm not making light of sin. Sleep around. No conflict. I get saved and I meet not Jesus meek and mild, but the king. The one who purchased my soul. He purchased me not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood that flowed from his veins. He redeemed me and said, now... This is how I want you to live. I want you to love me with all of your heart, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on to that. Watch this. Well, I can't covet because why would I covet from you what you have if I love you more than me? I can't steal from you because why would I steal from you if I love you more than me? I can't dishonor God because I love Him more than I love anything. I can't love money because if I love money, that's the root of all evil. And why would I want to be evil? Because two can't walk together unless they agree. And you can go on and on and on and on. See, the conflict comes with the sword of the Word of God because it cuts when you handle it. It cuts. That's why you have to be very careful that even when I preach firmly to you, you don't don't want to sit under a ministry where someone haphazardly swings something so weighty. It cuts, but it doesn't kill cuts but it doesn't kill they're very successful because they can be powerful miracles what are you saying i'm saying that there's satanic anointing just like there's godly anointing and many false prophets perform signs and wonders through psychic power soulish power power of the soul expectation uh setting them up revving it up uh you know I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to be an equal opportunity offender and just make everybody mad. Okay? I don't care what face you put on it. Scripture does not describe you being healed. You being healed by me at you. You know what that does? If you receive your physical healing from me and my coat, then the next time you need healing, what are you going to go looking for? Me and my coat. And the next time I come to town, you're going to get all your friends together because me and my coat are going to be in town. You house the Spirit of the living God in you and the Word of God in your lap. God may use people. He may use people to help you, but you don't look to them. You don't look to them. You don't look to them. Very successful. My cousin was healed. You can't tell me they weren't. I didn't say they weren't healed. Who healed them? If I am the focus of that ministry, if I, my speech, my presentation, we have to sing this one song. We have to do it this way. You have to come up the stage. If I'm the orchestrator of that, just because I mention Jesus' names on the peripheral does not mean Jesus is doing the healing. Jesus is to be the center, the beginning, the middle, the end, the focus, the one we worship. And that man, if there's anything done by his hands, he hides his face and pulls back and says, no, 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 what did the disciples say? You act as if by some secret power these men were healed by us. No, 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 we're just fishermen. It was the name, through faith in the name, that made this man well. And when these grandiose men, and I'll get to it in a moment if I have to, oh, I've almost run out of, You be careful of this. Success means God's endorsement. I beseech you, brethren, mark those that cause divisions, contrary to the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Avoid them, for they serve not the Lord, but their own belly, and by easy words, fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. A false prophet is successful. Because his audience is usually biblically illiterate. Simple. How many of you are mechanics? Like you can build stuff. You can, small engines, car engines, any commandments, uh, uh, mechanics, electricians. I want to ask you a question. Be honest. I'll let you stand me down if it's not truth. If I walked in while you were working, say the house is just framed, and I talk about ten seconds... Would you be able to tell I didn't know one thing I was talking about? Oh, who made you a judge? Man and overall said, I ain't a judge, boy. You just don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm sincere. All right. And all these people believe that I, you're nothing special. I can wire this house. The whole neighborhood comes in. Yeah, we can wire this house. And that man goes, go at it, man. Grab you a medal, but here's some pliers, go at it. And you see them come in and grab the wrong thing and knocks him from one end of the house to the other. Who made you a judge? I'm not a judge. I'm just not illiterate concerning electricity. And you know what your greatest safeguard is? Read the Word, be a student of the Word. Over the years, I've had a lot of people walk out on hard messages like this. but I hope before God that they've never walked out because I didn't preach the truth. Number four, a false prophet's life is filled with the fruit of unrighteousness. Beware of false prophets, Jesus said. They come in sheep's clothing inwardly. They're ravening, ravening wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Greed, the fruit of greed, taking from others. They'll exploit you with false words. Ambitious. Do you know that word ravenous means aggressively grasping for 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 fame and recognition? They want to be big on the brochure. They want to be on the stage. And this is just a small example because, I, listen, your pastor struggles in many, many ways. But several years ago, a very well-known global pastor came to Macon and uh they sent me a letter and said, we want you to join us on the stage. And, you know, that was, they didn't write but about 12 guys, you know. And immediately, I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. And I told my wife, I said, I, I can't do that. She said, why? I said, because my flesh would want to. It's as easy as that. How do you know something is the flesh, Brother John? The flesh always says, yeah. The flesh always says, now. Think of think of your forgotten lust in your teen years that you don't remember no more that man says I want that girl two weeks from Friday no now so these false prophets want to be seen recognized known and they're ambitious they use words like networking did any of the disciples network come on it's like answer the phone We're not supposed to ascend the ladder of men's approval. We're supposed to be seeking the approval of the Lord. And I'd rather be at the back of the crowd and Him invite me forward than be at the front of the crowd and say, Oh, no, 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 this party's over. You come back here to the end. They're ambitious. They're manipulative. They not only take from others, they not only ascend above others, but they deceive others, signs and wonders. They're powerful. They have control over the others. They create a dependency upon them in some way. See, that's the thing. I got to get to that conference. Brother so-and-so's there. Well, I understand. I have ministers that I would rather hear than others. I got that. But there's a, there's a control when I got to. I, I got to. That's the best place I receive. There's superiority greater than others. They'll say things like, if you want to be part of this anointing, be in my inner circle or... By giving me this amount of money, I'll put you on this list. If you want to be under this anointing, it's a greater anointing. It's a superior anointing. Let me tell you something. Let me just shatter that little lie. I don't have a greater anointing than you. What? have a different. God gives me the grace, the anointing, to shepherd, to teach. We all receive of that same Spirit. Some are gifted this way. Some are gifted that way. And mine is not the greater anointing like you have to come to this church because it flows from you, Pastor John. And I know what people are saying. I go, no, 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 no. We partake of the same anointing. And my job is to turn the diamond of Jesus in such a way that you'll catch a shimmer differently than you have before. And you'll leave forgetting of me and being alone with the Lord and say, change me, God. Make me righteous in your sight. Make, fulfill your will in my life. They're idolized. They receive inordinate affection from believers. Okay, who is the bridegroom? Come on, Jesus. Who's the bride? So, who's the friend of the bridegroom? Ministers. So, now watch. So, Jesus is on his way, he's delayed his coming. And I'm telling you about Jesus. This is going to be revelational for some of you. And I pray that it turns your paradigm upside down. So if I love Him, I'm going to make sure that all of your affection is given to Him. What kind of man would take the affection of the bride... From the groom. A damnable friend. So when you thank me, I'm not being rude. You'll come up and you'll tell me. You'll tell me about how a certain sermon did something or the Lord did something in your life. And I'm not, not making your moment be precious. But when I say, the Lord is wonderful that way. What I'm doing is... Making sure that you don't, with all sincerity, place your gratitude in a visible person instead of the invisible God. And finally, on this fruit uh, of unrighteousness, they're insatiable. They consume others. They prey on the poor. They prey on the elderly. In Kenya... We are sending over false prophets by the droves Pastor Sar was telling me, and they take from these villages their pennies. They take it all, and they hit them over the head with something and promise them this and that, and they make merchandise. Here's how you know: a false prophet will always step on you to go higher. Jesus, was Jesus a false prophet? OK. What did he teach you? He said, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you will later. Greatness kneels. Greatness gets under the ones they're serving, not above. That does not mean a minister can't make a living. That doesn't mean a minister can't be blessed. It's when he, when that's the determining factor. I want you to know I've worked for nickels, nickels, And I am probably the most overpaid guy now. This church takes great care of me but never has that been the condition of whether you stay or go. You see, you just be you don't rise above. A false prophet is above you. If if you feel they are above you through their ministry, that's false. If Jesus gets under you and they get over you, which do you think emulates the heart of God? I am a voice just crying in the wilderness. I got issues like you got. I got more issues than you probably. I'm just a tad bipolar. Uh, struggle with depression sometimes. Uh, and I'm not all that much. But I know God likes me. And I know God loves me. And the fact that I get to do this, you, don't, you have no idea how humbling and privileged I feel to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone like me, a no one, and my glory is not found in that I'm better than you. It's that he would trust you to me. And who better to trust than somebody less than you? Because you know I don't have an ulterior motive. You don't owe me nothing. Number five, and there's only six, by the way. We're done on time, I promise. We're going to beat the Baptist SNS today if it kills us. We are going to beat them. S and S is too long a line on Sunday. Y'all gotta go in the midweek. Eat at home on Sunday. It's just easier. (laughs) Publix chicken, that's the way to go. Can I have an amen? All right. False prophet, this is profound, by the way, reproduces himself inside of those that follow him. He teaches what he knows, but he reproduces who he is. You can tell. I could just name a minister and you could say, and you know, people follow because they they become like them. Okay, a person who prefers himself. A person who believes gain is godliness, a person who cannot or will not practice self-denial. A person who uses other people for their pleasure, their gain, their needs, their goals, a person who resists authority. A person without self-control or restraint. Second Peter 2, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. There are people that preach to tens and tens of thousands. And I'm going to group myself in one way with them. And in another way, I'm nothing like them. I, in my history, have a failed marriage. A failed marriage. It was not my desire. But I'm the priest of my home, and I take responsibility for it. And here's the difference. You'll have somebody else that just exchanges their wife or exchanges their husband. And they say, look what the Lord's done. The Lord didn't do my divorce. It was sin. It disappointed him. And he hates it. And from that sin, I repented and found a grace that allows me to pick up pieces and be restored. So see the others though, there's a no restraint. Well the Lord understands. I've heard them. I've heard them. The Lord told me to leave my wife because she wasn't yoked with me right and goes with this younger beautiful woman and said look what the Lord's done and the thousands go. And you want to say you're an idiot. And the reason we don't is because we feel like we're the only one in the crowd because we're the only one in the crowd that thinks he's an idiot. That was, the, that was the bride of your youth, sir. And you are a person of no restraint, so you produce other people who, well, if Bishop so-and-so and Pastor so-and-so left his, oh, I had a dream. I had a lady tell me right up there years ago. The Lord told her who her husband was. And I said, so-and-so? mm somebody else. And I said, ain't you married to this one? Yeah, but the Lord told me. And you know where she got that from? The people she listens to that left their spouse. So be careful. They'll teach what they know, but they'll reproduce who they are in you. They live for this world, not the one to come. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God. Many false prophets, many are gone out into the world. Listen to this. They are of the world. That's why they talk about this world. And the world hears them. But we are of God, and he knoweth God heareth us. And he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and error. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and error. What? How do we know the spirit of truth and error? The spirit of error talks about this world all the time. And what you have in this world. And the Bible is crystal clear that our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Lord Jesus Christ who will change our vile body. This ain't our home. Ain't our home. I, every day I get in my car, I thank the Lord for my car. Cranks when you put the key in it. Isn't that a novel idea? It just cranks. It turns on, and I got the cleanest car in Middle Georgia. I don't care if you think yours is clean. Mine is clean. I had a guy tell me the other day, right up there, he goes, How you like your 2015 Silverado? I said, It's a 12. What? It's a 2012? It just looks like a 15. But I've driven junk. Anybody else drove junk? You have to lay hands on it. I mean, open the hood and lay hands on it. Not on the hood. Open the hood. (laughs) Help this thing, Holy Spirit. But we don't find our glory in what we own. We find our glory in who owns us. I had a pastor tell me one day, I went and pulled up the, the... Church staff evil people called my old brown truck Mater at eighty six before I got mad. He goes, You driving Mater? I said, What what's Mater? I didn't have kids in, I didn't know what Mater was. And they're laughing. And then he told me it's a beat up old truck, you know, like, why are y'all busting on me in my truck? I I like the truck. So I go to lunch with and this is the truth, honest to God. Local pastor, a friend of mine, he goes, So where you park, buddy? I said, right over here. He goes, That? I said, Yeah, that. It's I said, it ain't all that much. I mean, it's what I have right now, you know. He said, aren't you worried about what they'll say? And I'm just dumb as a rock, you know. Like, what? Who? What? Your people. And I went, and I really, I said, buddy. So they're going to think I'm good if I got a new truck and God's frowning on me? I said, it ain't what I drive, man. I said, our confidence comes in who has us, not what we have. And while I got a nice car that shines and drives, thank you, Lord. And I'm more sincere when I say thank you, Lord, for the nicer one. But I'm also thank you, Lord, for the other one. We're not identified by that. Gain is not godliness. We're not living for this world. That's not the goal. False prophet misrepresents himself and has no idea of his true estate. I believe they don't know it. Some do, most don't. The Laodicean church is a perfect example of the uh, false prophet. And Ben, if you'd come on, please. Jesus said, I have this against you. You think that you are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Listen to this. To the church. He said, You don't even know that you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Miserable. You thought you were happy. You're miserable. Blind, you thought you could see. Poor, you thought you were rich and have need of nothing. You don't have anything. And I believe they've built their little kingdom. They have their followers. They have their mansions. And it's not if you're wealthy, that's not a sin. It's the love of it. It's the esteeming of it. And all of that is rusting and falling apart. And they're wearing this little tinsel crown made out of aluminum foil. And they're in cities all over the world and in bushes in Kenya in Nairobi, Uganda where the pastor lives in a mud hut and he don't have anything that shines and blings but God's going to take that aluminum foil crown off this guy in the west and he's going to put on a shepherd's crown on this guy in Kenya and said, well done you are He didn't say gifted, did he? Oh. He didn't call him by title, did he? Not bishop, not apostle. He said, you are the best thing you could have been. You were faithful in serving me and other people. Come here. And he puts it upon their head. Finally, a false prophet is God's judgment on people and churches that don't love the truth. He says, you want quail? I'll give you quail. You want lies? I'll give you lies. You want a smoke screen? I'll give you a smokescreen. You want a bloody cross? I'll give you whatever you want. There's a story in Second Kings, and I'll close with this. God was going to judge King Ahab. And King Ahab... And King Jehoshaphat were grouped together to take the king of Assyria's land at Ramoth Gilead. And God was, uh, Micah had a vision of him in heaven, and he was sitting around discussing how he's going to bring Ahab to his demise. And a spirit, spirits were around the throne, said, I'll go and be a lying spirit in all the prophets' mouths and tell him that God's with him. God said, Surely do that. That'll work. So 400 prophets, not Baalite prophets like Elijah was. That's not even a god. These were prophets. The Lord is with you. God's going to grant you the victory. And Jehoshaphat said, is there any other prophet like uh, a prophet of the Lord? Note the contradiction here. They brought in 400, and he goes, uh, is there anybody else? And Ahab said, oh, there's Micah, but he's always telling me hard stuff and evil stuff. He's always the contrary one. He goes, bring him and hear what he says. So Michael comes before him and he, says, How, and he lays it out. How about our mission to take over Ramath Gilead? He goes, sure, the Lord will be with you. And he goes, didn't I tell you to only tell me what the Lord says? He said, all right. And he told him about the lying spirits. And God sent them to the mouth of all of your prophets because he knew that once you heard what you like, you'd kill yourself. You'd follow it right to the end. And he said... Throw him in the prison and give him bread and water until I come back. Nothing else. And on his way out, Micah said, If I have not spoken, none of it will come to pass. But the dogs are going to lick your blood just like Naboth that you killed yesterday. And they threw him in the prison. It's a really interesting story. So Jehoshaphat and Ahab decide that one of them would wear royal robes. Jehoshaphat would and Ahab wouldn't. And they all conspired to kill Ahab. And when they saw the royal robes, they thought it was him. <laughs> Jehoshaphat screamed, like, Hey, I ain't him! Stop! <laughs> you can read it. It's hilarious. Goes, no! That's the other guy! So, no one's shooting at Ahab. And it looks like God had made a mistake. And it said, One wayward arrow it, just, went right between the armor and stuck him. He bled into his chariot and died. And the dogs were seen licking the blood out of his chariot, just like God had promised. And I'm not saying this to scare you, I'm saying this to sober you. If you want lies, God will send you a lie, and he'll send them through preachers. He uses preachers. So, John, should we worry? No. You have the Spirit. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and another one's voice, they will not. Don't follow them unless you want to. So it's an issue of the heart. And I preach today to tell you, guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. Make no exceptions. Be wary of people that you let be God's voice. Ministers are to be an echo. God's voice to you when you are alone and in your Bible. That's the more sure word of prophecy. And as soon as they change it, you go, From such, turn away. From such, turn away. This is not a message where you respond. Just be wise. Wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. Be careful that no man deceive you. Because many false prophets are gone into the world. And the Lord is about to return. I don't want to be on their channel when the Lord's about to blow a trump on His channel. Amen? Amen? Would you stand with us this morning? If you're not a Christian or you're backslid, today's the day for you. Before you go to your car, you can sit in your seat and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For those of you that are believers, part of this church or not part, go home and examine what you're reading, what you're listening to. Use this standard. Everything I gave you was from the book. And if they don't meet that criterion, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. and Be wise. Be ready. Our redemption draweth nigh. Do you understand that? We're getting ready to get out of here. I don't want to be tricked. So God, I ask that you anoint this message today. I ask that you would sink it deep into my heart. Help me to protect my wife and my home from the many false teachers that are out there. Help me not to be a, be a false teacher, oh Lord. Give us wisdom. Help us to know your voice so distinctly that we'd never be tricked. And Lord, we long for your appearing. I opened with it, Lord, and I close with it. I want to pray Izzy's prayer. God, live in our hearts. I know you're going to come back and take us to your house, and we ain't scared of nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.